0: So, a price for friday november 3rd 2023 we're coming to you from the GoGo sports studio built by arbor league here at the iconic wall center downtown vancouver and of course so many big games going on this week and if you're heading downtown don't fight the traffic on the way back Making a staycation, call the hotel, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price. Trevor Martin sitting in for Grady Sass today. The show, presentation, Applewood Auto Group celebrating 25 years. Infinity at the Richmond Auto Mall, leased the 23QX50 from 3.49%, 23QX60 from 2.99%. Then at the Nissan dealerships, Applewood, Nissan, Richmond, Applewood, Nissan, Langley, Applewood, Nissan, Surrey, the 23 Rogue, financed from 3.99%. lease or finance, the 23, 24 Leaf from 6.99%. Because, Blake, it's all good at Applewood. Poll question today, asking you through 10 games, what's been the Canucks' best story? Brock Besser, Phil DiGiuseppe, a fantastic pair of Hughes-Hroenig for all the goals. And of course, so many storylines here through 10 games. Feel free to go off the board, reply with other vote at Sikaris and Price. Vancouver Canucks with a win for the record books last night, 10-1 in San Jose and very well could have been 10-0 if not for a late Sharks goal. And, so disappointing. <laughs> so disappointing. One they could have disputed for goaltender interference. Everybody fattens up on the on the uh stat line. Five point night for Quinn Hughes. There was even some like multi point ho hum whole eff- ho hum performances last night from Vancouver Canucks. I mean and we'll ask this question of JPAT. Like, But for me, the game said as much or more about the San Jose Sharks than it did about the Vancouver Canucks. Like, don't get me wrong. Canucks are good right now. They've been going. They've got some offensive firepower and all of that. But that San Jose team is substandard in the National Hockey League. I, I said... Like, it, NHL participation is... Um, going to be difficult for this group of San Jose Sharks.
1: I didn't know at the time the extent to which I would ultimately uh, feel redeemed by this comment. But when they took the double minor in the opening seconds, I was like, this feels really mean to, to put the San Jose Sharks behind the eight ball so early. And sure enough, it was two nothing in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And there was no turning back. The Sharks had no, no pushback, no fight. I think in addition to be under, in addition to being under talented though Matt, mm-hmm. there's very much
0: a uh, fatalistic sort of attitude from them. I, I, there's no belief there. Yeah, no, there's no belief whatsoever. I mean, it's three, nothing eight minutes into the game, Hughes has three points. And we talked about it coming out of the Nashville win where you get a win, which you didn't play particularly well. And Talkit talked about how, well, it was good to learn a lesson and still get the W, and we said, well, we sure hope the lesson is learned because the Sharks game had all the markings of a trap. Heading into a big game Saturday against Dallas, who's one of the better teams in the West, and, of course, Edmonton coming back here on Monday. But full credit to the Vancouver Canucks for not taking this group lightly, jumping all over them, and putting them away early. And let's hear from Coach Rick Talkit on that score. It's four or five, nothing. You, you still want the guys to play hard. It's nice to see some guys that haven't scored to get their, you know, to get their confidence. Now maybe it loosens guys up. So that's something I'd like to see. And um, to get some of the guys getting some goals, it was nice to see. Yeah. And the power play did set the tone for the game. More on the power play here in a second. As for the poll question, I considered all four. And boy, DJ sepp has gone a little quiet here? <laughs> I mean, he was very much the heartwarming story in the early part of the Canucks season. Strongly considered the best storyline. Strongly considered Veronica and Hughes, and you know uh, Hughes and in, in and of himself as a story, as is Patterson and others. I voted for all the goals to bookend a ten-game start with eight goals in game one and ten goals in game ten. To me, that's something we won't soon forget. To me, that's something we won't soon see anytime soon.
1: I'm I'm going to go with the two defensemen because um, they're both the point per game at minimum. Obviously, Hughes way way beyond that. But I think just as notable as the ten goals scored versus the Sharks, for instance, is the, you know the the one goal against should have been zero, and the shots on goal, which was very low until the Canucks went into prevent and and just let score effects take over. I mean, um, and I'm glad for Thatcher Demko's save percentage that they ended up with 31 shots on goal. But really, I mean, if it's a closer game, if it's even like a three-goal game or, or two-goal lead, I don't think the Sharks get past 22 shots on net last night. Um, the Canucks are... The games two, three, and four seem so far away. is so distant now in the rearview mirror when they were caved in with shots on goal. Um, to me, a lot of it is the fact that they've got those two great defensemen out there, not last night, but in, in other nights... For 27 minutes a night, and those are 27 yeah. really safe, good minutes of defenseman yeah. hockey.
0: And, of course, it, this wasn't by design. They sort of just arrived yeah. on this after the Carson Susie injury in preseason. Basically, all you need to know about this game, Kyle Burroughs, who was the Canucks' seventh defenseman last year, is out there on the first power play unit for the San Jose Sharks. And later in that power play, Mark Friedman, who may well be the Canuck. I mean, Alvin called him a seventh defenseman when they acquired him. Mm-hmm. Is trying drag moves on the shorthanded rush. Yeah. Then there was Ty Embersome falling on his face unprovoked, trying to escape the puck out from behind the net. At 8 nothing. Sportsnet tweeted, let's check in on how the Canucks and Sharks are doing. The Sharks account tweeted. Let's, Let's not. not. In fact, the Sharks account is maybe the star of the show down there because they're quite funny. They're, you know, taking this with a good sense of humor, poking themselves in the eye a little bit.
1: I saw That's all they've got
0: left. Well, I mean, you have to self-deprecate at this point. I saw somebody wonder if a team has ever been this bad through ten games. JFresh Fresh Hockey replied, "I don't know, but through ten games played." The 74-75 Capitals were 30% of the goals at even strength. The Sharks are 17% of the goals scored at even strength. They have 10 goals in 10 games, played. The Canucks matched their total season total in a game last night. And the
1: Canucks beat their season total of goal scorers in one night. They had six individual goal scorers going into the night. The Canucks... Had eight individual goal
0: scorers last night. Now, seven, two, and one, points in six straight games. Like they didn't do that at all last year, points in six straight games. From NHLPR, they're one of just five teams in the last 30 years with 46 or more goals. In the first 10 games, they lead the NHL in gold differential at plus 24. That's five better than Vegas. And Vegas is 10 and one But here's the, here's the bigger th- fourth in the league in gold differential is plus 11. So they are more. Fifth. Yeah, no, Before you're right. Yeah. So they're more than double. Right. Fourth right. in goal differential. Boston plus 16 is third, and then Colorado and the Rangers are plus 11. Those are the only teams that are double, double digits. Double digits,
1: even. So they're running away and hiding. Right. And you know what? In a lot, After a 50 game sample, if you've got a couple of these blow ins, you say, oh, they, you call them outliers. Folks, they've done it now in 20% of their games, these massive blowouts.
0: These aren't outliers anymore. You got to go back to March 1992 to find the last time the Vancouver Canucks have scored 10 plus goals in a game, and their power play. After the performance last night, floats to second in the league after, uh, behind just the New Jersey Devils. They go four for five last night. They're now clicking at more than 33%, 34% on the power play. Let's hear from Coach Talkett about his man advantage unit. Well, I think the power play kind of set the tone. I mean, you know, we have three, four power play goals. So I think that really kind of set up the game for us. Um, they're moving the puck well and obviously scoring some goals. And of course, one of the catalysts there, Quinn Hughes, who factors in on five of the 10 Canucks goals, he is the fifth defenseman in the past five years with a five-point game, and he tied a club record for defenseman points in a game. Philadelphia game is standing out like a sore
1: thumb now. They're blanked to nothing. That's the only game all season long where they've scored less than three goals. Like, even in losses right now, their losses, 4-3 to Tampa, 4-3 to New York. Like, <laughs> the offense just can't be stopped. They've scored at least five
0: goals in half their games. Right. And, look, we talk about this all the time. You tend to see more goals in the season's first month. Sure you tend to see more goals in the season's first month for a lot of reasons. Number one, typically officials are a little quicker with the whistle to set the standard, right? The power plays a plenty points of emphasis on mm. officiating. So they like to get that rooted with the NHL player in October. Oftentimes too, you have new coaches and new environments who are trying to install new defensive systems that sometimes take root to take some time to take root. And I think that is one of the benefits that we're seeing right now from the Canucks is that they did bring in Talkit for the final third of last season and mm-hmm. he was able to get a jump start on all of the teaching that has taken place. The game gets so out of hand last night. As I mentioned, there was like multi-point nights that, you know, in a typical game would stand out. Like in a typical game, like we're probably talking about a two-point night for Sam Lafferty earlier than we have in this show. On a typical night, we're probably talking about a two-goal game from Anthony Beauvillier, or a two-assist game from Carson Soucy a little earlier in the show. Well, here's Anthony Beauvillier on scoring a couple in what was his 500th NHL
2: game. At that point in the game, it didn't really mean much, but, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's nice to get it out of the way, and uh, scoring that 500 game was uh, pretty cool.
0: And good honesty from Beauvillier there. (laughs) He knows the... He knows the horse was out the barn when he scores his two. But it's now five points for Beauvillier. We were all hand-wringing about his lack of production. He's on a three, three-game three point streak. And uh, Pew Suter opens his Vancouver Canucks account. Finally gets a goal. And he's still bringing up the room in terms instances. of the bench
1: scoring, as is Dakota Joshua, who didn't play last night, and mm-hmm. Jack Nika all with just one point each. But actually Connor Garland at three points in 10 games is starting to lag behind mm-hmm. just a little bit, but everybody else, you know, uh, Hoaglander, uh, Bovillier Lafferty, um, their stats are right where yeah. you'd expect them to be. So, um, I mean, you do have to see, you know, Bovillier has been absent too much, but mm-hmm. maybe a game like this and, and talk alluded to that was, you know, maybe a game like this floats them a little bit and gets them
0: rolling. Yeah. And, uh, Every single Vancouver Canuck skater is a plus player right now, with the exception of Noah Juleson, who hasn't played a lot. Right. Three games, and he's a minus one. Well, worst teams in NHL history the 74 75 Capitals, the four mentioned, eight 67 and five. We played 80 game seasons back then. And then the 93 Sharks, 11, 71, and two. And the great trivia question about that team is they actually weren't last in the league in wins. The Ottawa Senators had 10 wins that season, but had more points by virtue of ties. So a 71-loss team in 93. I was talking to our friend uh, Eric, Eric with a K. Longtime security Price listener turned San Jose Sharks podcaster. And I said, Boy, Eric Curry. And I said, Boy, Eric, it's going to be a long year. Sympathize with you, buddy. Do you think it's possible they could be? And that was an 84 game season back in 93. Do you think it's possible they could be an 11 win team um, or
1: worse? 11-win team means you're getting, even with this, so with this start, means you're getting, you've got two, four, five full
0: months left, so you're getting two wins per month. Yeah. And, of course, now we have winners and losers in every game. So, statistically. You got a better chance. Right. Like, I don't think there's any chance they're as bad as an eight-win Washington Capitals team.
1: No it'd be really hard it'd be really hard to get to to only 10
0: wins. the Colorado team from six years ago seven years ago 22 wins and we talked about how dreadful they were
1: yeah and I, I think getting underneath that if you t- if you're giving me 22 is an over under I'm going under mm-hmm. but at 10 i'm i'm gonna take the over
0: BC Lions tomorrow in the West Division semifinal against the Calgary Stampeders. It's a 3.30 kickoff at BC Place. Tickets start at $30 for adults. Of course, they have youth pricing as well. A few notes there. We have the depth charts for this game now, both sides. Arhan Lalji reporting last night. Sione Tuyama is going to be uh, out of the lineup. He has a suspension looming from the Canadian Football League. He has decided not to appeal. You have to think he decides not to appeal because if they happen to win, he doesn't want to miss the West Final or the Grey Cup game. It is a bit of, a little bit of a risk there. Marcus Moore is going to replace at defensive end. Two other lineup changes for the Lions. Smoke Myzel returns at running back. Canadian defensive back, Adrian Green stepping in. Mostly a special teamer, but he was called into duty in the secondary earlier this earlier this season. The Stamps make five roster changes, and we told you that Calgary had nothing to play for in that final regular season game. So they rested some bodies. Who are they bringing back onto the lineup? Into the lineup? Well, both are starting off uh, outside linebackers, including the Canadian Cameron Judge, who's a fantastic player, Kadeem Carey, their star running back, Reggie Bagleton, who has been a fantastic receiver in this league for a number of years. So uh, we had outlined earlier in the year just how ravaged Calgary was by injuries all season. They are getting healthier. They are getting some good football players back into the lineup. I saw this from Roar Report on Twitter last night, but the upper deck seating that was open, 6,000 seats made available and it looks like about half of them were already snapped up. Keep by it going. Last night, there Keep it going. Of momentum uh, heading into this game. Our mayor, Ken Sim, has made a bet with his counterpart in Cowtown. In fact, he was very cocky in the social media video. He was. Good for nothing. Good for Hotten nothing. Sam Peters. Yeah. No chance. So he'll wear a stamps jersey at City Hall if the Lions happen to lose. It's a rematch, of course, of last year's West Division semifinal. The Lions won that 30 to 16. This is the 17th time that the Lions and Stamps have met in the playoffs. Of course, there have been some utter classics in the past, going back to McManus, to Flutie, and that huge upset in the 94 West final. BC is 6-3 and three in home playoff games since 2004. That includes the 2011 Grey Cup. Quarterback Vernon Adams, 14-7 as the Lions starter. And as we discussed earlier in the week, he is going to meet, need not necessarily a big game, but just a mistake-free game. You know, in, in a lot of ways, this sort this game sort of reminds me of the Wally Buono philosophy and Wally Buono teams. You're just flat better talent-wise than the guys across the field. So don't do anything to screw it up, right? Don't make the big mistake. Don't well, get too risky, gamble. Don't try to fake this. Fa- no, no, no. Line up, beat them at the line of scrimmage, let your talented skilled players show their wares, and you wind up with a victory here. Trying to too mu- trying to do too much, and I think you get yourself into some trouble. No one tries to lose a game. Um, no coach is
1: okay with a loss. But in this case, I kind of like the fact that Can I, the uh, the Lions lost that last game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that they aren't going to take this team lightly in any way, shape, or form because the, the Lions not only lost that game, they did
0: not look good in doing so. That looks awful. So, and Coach Campbell is pissed off about the penalty still when we talked to him on Monday.
1: Yeah. So, they're, I, I mean, if they don't have focus now, they, then folks, they don't deserve to win, but I suspect that they will. And I suspect that they are going to have things a lot tighter and a lot more rating. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a little hard. They knew the, they had a 5% chance of winning the division going into that game. So while they technically had something to, to play for, I don't think they were hanging their hat on it. And it's tough to manufacture it. They are playing a desperate team mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. It's tough to – all those excuses are out the window. Everybody knows what's at stake here. I think you see yep. a much
0: better BC Lions team. I, I think so. I think a loss late in the season like that, particularly when it doesn't hurt you, has a way of focusing you. Yeah, exactly. I'm a little worried about the layoff. I know coach said that he thought it came at a good time for them. Uh, and of course, you might be more worried about the layoff if they had won. Right. Final game of, You're talking like a month of off. This season. Yeah. Uh, you and I have both been a little critical of the NFL this year at the midway point. There just haven't been a ton of Fantastic finishes. There haven't been a ton of alluring cards. No, the primetime games have been pretty fugly. Yeah. Well, week nine is upon us, Blake, and on Sunday, and of course, you're going to the Caps game at four thirty. So you're going to want to record the Sunday nighter, but listen to what you can watch in succession here. Kansas City in Miami at six thirty a.m. from Frankfurt, Germany. <laughs> Two explosive offenses, the defending champs against their former star receiver, Tyreek Hill, who has hit a thousand yards receiving before any receiver in NFL history. A delicious matchup. I will take you right into the pregame of Seattle, Baltimore, which is a spectacular matchup. Absolutely. With the way the Hawks are going and with the way this Ravens team is going, that's a awesome game in the 10 o'clock window. Right into an NFC. NFC East battle, Dallas and Philadelphia. Oh, beautiful. Which could easily be the NFC championship game, right? I don't think anybody would bat an eyelash if those two teams were there standing amongst the final four. And then the Sunday Nighter, Buffalo at Cincinnati, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals look great last week.
1: Yeah, Joe Burrow's got to be
0: that back Joe healthy. Burrow. That, he's he's got to be that healthy. Joe Burrow. So, um, yeah. yeah, you're right.
1: It's, it's, it's lined up well for the NFL this weekend.
0: Mm-hmm. As for the Caps, we're giving away two four-packs of tickets. So congratulations to Kevin Korsdefine of Maple Ridge and Joe Deasy of Richmond. You both got a four-pack of tickets for Sunday, 4.30. Caps VLAFC. Vancouver trails the best of three series, 1-0. The Caps announcing on Friday morning that they have already sold 26,000 tickets. They've got the upper bowl open as well. Should mention, because I know there was some griping about this last week, this game is on TSN. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear,
1: folks, if it's not on TSN, check Apple, uh, even if you're not a season pass holder,
0: like last day, last, last week's week, the game is free. free. yeah. So like, uh, don't gripe, it's free. Ryan Gall telling TSN this week, if it comes down to penalties again, I'll be ready to take one. That's the attitude you like. <laughs> you certainly hope he isn't a little bit shook by the missed penalties. You've called them all season long, Blake. Like, give me your rundown. Give me your skinny. What's important tomorrow? They're gonna are, play
1: I, I'm gonna guess they play differently, as I said yesterday. I, like, I think they're gonna they're gonna be more like themselves, but they're, they're not gonna be everything in the kitchen sink offensively. I think they're going to make sure that they are a little bit more stout defensively. They've been working all week long on set piece defending, so they will certainly try to limit the errors in that regard. Hey, uh, BC Place Games versus LAFC. They've been marvelous against LAFC coming yeah. coming into town. When they, when they got waxed early this season in uh Champions League, that was that was against the norm. So they are it is a different matchup here at BC Place Stadium. Hopefully the Caps can use home field to their advantage, as they often have, and and then you just you buy yourself some time and you you hope to cash lightning in a bottle down in Los Angeles in Game Three. But first things first, take care of business. Best players being best players, and um, I don't think anybody wants this one to be the last match of the season. Are so. you
0: worried about the keeper at all?
1: I, I mean, I, I don't have the utmost confidence in him um, right now, but. Uh, I mean he's he's played better in September or not. August was not strong, but he you know, it's been better. And the set piece stuff is not all his fault, but he can save the day. You know, that's
0: ultimately the last line of defense. He can save the day. Let's hope that uh, yohei has got it going. A phrase we have not used very often this season white cap gonna white cap. It seems like every time they get to a big spot, they spit the bit. They got twenty six thousand, may well be close to thirty thousand when it's all said and done, Blake. How do you think this group will respond to the huge crowd? Yeah, I think they'll re- I, they played well in front of the big crowds. Think back to the Canadian Championship
1: game, final game of the season. Um, they played well. So, uh, I, I think they'll respond really, really well, and that's the beauty. Is if, if they can get a result and force Game 3, obviously you're going to hope if, if you're a Whitecaps fan that they win Game 3, but even if they don't, winning this game in front of all those people, even if you ultimately lose in Game 3, I, there, there's there's traction there. You've You've done something for your own product
0: by winning that home match. Ryan Gold is their working class MVP. Brian White amongst the MLS League leaders in goals. Give me somebody else who you think might be sitting on a goal, sitting on a performance on Sunday.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think you look at the newcomers as much as the other players are going to be, uh, you know, relied upon. I'm talking about the Vites and the Ahmeds and the. And the shops of the world, depending on who gets the call in midfield, I think the pressure's on the newcomers. Like they, they were brought in to mitigate the loss of Julian Gressel. Can Richie Larea come through? In a substitute, I'm going to guess he's going to come on as a substitute. But Junior Hoyle, we still have not seen the best of Junior Hoyle in a white caps kit. No, nope. can he provide a difference maker? And then an underdog. I, I I'm guessing. And I don't have any uh, inside scoop yet. But I'm going to guess that Raposo gets the start. And as much as Vanny thinks of him as an offensive, or as a defensive, um, you know, uh, option for him on that left side, I love what he's been doing offensively. He, he he cuts across on his off wing with the right foot, and he he's he's been good. So uh, I'm going to go Hoilet lorea or Raposo as options. Is Ahmed going to play at all? Yeah, he'll play. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he's starting or coming off the bench at sort of the hour mark, I I, I don't know. Well, let me just put
0: this at you. Raposo is plus 600 on Betway to score Ahmed. And what a redemption story, redemption story. What an emotional story yeah. it would be given the injury he suffered. Plus 550. Yeah. Both those are good. Yeah. To score. yeah. Let's get to today's menu. And it is brought to you by Greta. And if you haven't found a spot to watch these games, head to Greta downtown on Cordova. Fantastic spot to catch games throughout the season. The playoffs plus a place to chill. In the offseason, J-Pat's going to stop by. Plenty to unpack with the Canucks 10-1 win. How memorable was it? Who does it say more about? Uh, Goaltender interference, Besser, Friedman, not to mention his answer on the poll question. Plus, if you missed it yesterday, we've made a big announcement adding an additional partner in the Nation Network, and that's got some... Uh, change duties for JPAT, which mm-hmm. he will outline. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Frank Saravalli, a new formal teammate now of the daily faceoff, will stop by. We talk about this Vancouver Canuck start, we talk about San Jose and what's to come. He gives us his two cents on Michael Andlar and Lauer going off on the NHL, the new senator's owner. Plus, he, Port
1: he, yeah, he talks about Port Moody's Ryan jo- or, Ken uh, Johnson. Ken Johnson, um, which by the way. Brian
0: Johansson is also from Portland.
1: Yeah, for some reason that was in my head. Kent has just been sent down to the American League. So we we don't address that factor in it,
0: Yeah, but he's been sent down to the American League. And uh, Nicholas Backstrom, what is to become of the fine Washington Capitals centerman? And is his career over? Plus, we go to the people. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're
1: out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting you can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca.
0: So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Yeah, great things happening at Applewood dealerships right
1: now. It's important that you check out the Nissan offers. You can finance the 2023 road from 3.99%. Yeah, that's a, that's a real number these days, 3.99%. Lease or finance the Leaf from 6.99%. It's all at Applewood Nissan,
0: Nissan in Richmond, Langley, and Surrey. It's all good. At Apple. Through 10 games, our poll question, what has been the Canucks' best story? Brock Besser, Phil Giuseppe, hughes Ronick, all the goals. Feel free to go off the board. Vote at Sigurdsson Price on Twitter. With wides Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter, after a 10-1 drubbing of the San Jose Sharks last night. Jeff, you've covered a lot of Canucks hockey games over 25 years. Where does this one rank in terms of your most memorable, your most outlandish
3: yeah, I guess it would have to be up there and had to go digging through the record books to find the last time they hit double digits. And, of course, I'd done a little bit of homework on opening night when they got to eight, and we thought maybe they would get to 10 against the Edmonton Oilers. But, I mean, 10 games into the season, guys, a 10-goal outburst, eight, uh, the 5 nothing shutout against the St. Louis Blues. You know, they obviously, opening face-off brawl with Torts and then the Flames, and we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of that. Uh, some of the heroics of Daniel and Henrik in the heyday. I mean, there's a handful of games, but yeah, double digits doesn't happen very often in today's NHL and certainly not for this organization. So uh, very close to running out of fingers and thumbs to count Mm -hmm. all the goals there. Uh, I know we won't spend much time on the Sharks, but what a disaster. But in saying that, like I do think it's important to note that the Canucks see them twice more this month and again in the game before Christmas and I saw somebody on Twitter point out the Calgary Flames don't see the San Jose Sharks until February. Like, these are valuable points to put in the bank now. And certainly, I know there was talk of a trap game. Uh, that went out the window two minutes or four minutes in or whatever the case. But the Canucks just have to do that again and again and again to the Sharks and take all of those points. And if you're a team like Calgary, you're going to be playing better opponents during that time. You know, your reprieve comes late in the season, but it may be too late by then to grab those types of points. So the schedule in some ways doing the Canucks a favor. We didn't know that at the outset of the season, just how bad the sharks were going to be, but my goodness, they are horrible.
0: Well, and of course, um, you know, that Calgary schedule versus San Jose, we have been through it many times, right? Like the points at the beginning of the season are almost more important than the ones at the end, because they can be meaningless if you're so far out of it. One goal off the club record, 31 years since they've put up that many, Uh, You say we're not going to spend a lot of time on the Sharks, but I was going to ask you, does 10-1 say more about Vancouver or does it say more about San Jose?
3: To me, the moment was the 6-0 goal when Kuzmenko collided with Kakinen. And I noted on Twitter, and I saw some of the San Jose writers noting the same thing. Kuzmenko immediately goes to the goaltender to check on him, and then the other Canucks are on the ice. They come around, they congratulate Kuzmenko, but they're inquiring about uh, the health of the goaltender. The officials on the ice are there. And there isn't a single San Jose teammate. You've hung this guy up to dry, not just last night, but all season long. Get this. Kakatan has now made four starts. The Sharks have scored two goals for the guy. Two goals in four games. Um, and I just don't see it getting any better. Like I just don't know who's going to provide the offense, I guess, when Logan Couture gets back in there. But, I mean, single-handedly. He's not a game-breaker at this stage of his career. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, oh ten, oh nine and one with ten goals scored in ten games, and uh, I don't know where it goes from here. Except it's a long season. I mean, building was half full to start, and there was almost nobody there at the end of the game, and I can't blame them. But that's going to be a tough sell. Like, sure, the uh, Macklin Celebrini is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and you want to get all the lottery tickets you can. But there's still seventy two games. Half of those are on home ice, and you've got to sell that to. A market that's been pretty good over the years let's be honest and the sharks have been a pretty decent franchise but my goodness like the warning signs are there that this is historically bad or could there's be different bad. ways to lose bad. and they yeah. are
1: doing it in a disrespectful way yeah honestly.
0: well i i mean i'm not sure they're worthy of nhl designation no. like, like i think if you put up nhl hockey game on the marquee at, at madison square garden and san jose is one of the two teams that's false advertising I, I this effectively in AHL. Team. Well, never, you it, mentioned going celebrating. He's, of course, a former yeah, San Jose, San Jose Junior, Junior, Junior Shark. Shark. Uh, I mean, I, I know every team
1: wants the free two points on the board, and yet, I mean, I, I wonder if it affects attendance as the San Jose Sharks or the visitors elsewhere. Like, if this goes around, like, are people excited to go see this game? I
0: mean, maybe they're excited to see goals, but yeah, that's how you bill it. Come see our team, you know,
1: score, score a lot
3: a of, of goals. You Seriously, that. think, this, this, think
0: this,
1: of
3: this, the this. expectations. The Sharks are here in Vancouver in three weeks' time. Like, yeah. people literally will see blood in the water there and expect double digits. And I can't sit here and tell you the Canucks <laughs> won't get there, uh, the way the power play was going, the way their top-end guys were going. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a morbid curiosity to see how bad the season is and goes for the San Jose Sharks. Again, for the Canucks, I think the fortunate part is, Uh, They're there. They're there on the schedule early. Just do what you have to do. And I think the Canucks deserve credit. Like, putting the hammer down, the first two shots on goal, they get the double minor, the power play comes through. And I just, I kind of love the way the game unfolded last night in that the stars took over in the first period. And there were layers to it. Then it was Mikheyev and Kuzmenko, the next level of scorers on the team. And then they turned the third period over to guys that hadn't scored yet and got theirs as well. And so it was good to see Pia Suter get a goal and Bovillier in his 500th game. But it was just kind of the, the natural tears of the that's scoring right. in that hockey game last night. Like, I'm not sure the Canucks could have drawn it up any better.
1: Don't bring yeah. up tears. Don't bring up tie no. around Quinn Hughes. The, that's been a, a hot-button issue. I Speak about Besser in particular, because his two goals are, are – Are amazing goals. Like those are, those are goal scorer goals. Those are really, really nice goals. And it just, it's hard to believe we're talking about Brock Besser in those terms, given where he's been the last few seasons. We just, we haven't been amazed by Brock Besser at any point. And here he is with eight goals and a one T, which we don't see a ton of slappers from Brock Besser. It was a beauty. And then the head eye on the second. I mean, that's just great to see.
3: It is. And it started on an opening night when he picked his spot and snapped one home past Jack Campbell. And then you know, a few games later in Tampa, early in the second period, when they dug the puck up the end boards and again, bang, bang. And he was starting to look like that Brock Besser from his first couple of seasons in the National Hockey League. And so I love the fact that he's not resting on the laurels of the four game, four goal game on opening night, that he has been uh, productive since then. And you're right. Like, that one-timer was a thing of beauty. And we've become accustomed to Elias Pettersson scoring that goal. J.T. Miller scores from that point on the ice on the power play quite often. But Brock Besser, in what we used to call his spot, and we thought he was going to feast in the National Hockey League scoring that kind of goal. But he put everything into it and just picked his spot over the shoulder. Uh, Again, sort of setting the tone for the hockey game. First shot of the night on the power play. Your best players are into it. They didn't let up. And yeah, uh, to see him bump the puck out of midair, you know, things went the Canucks way. Like, look, they didn't rely on luck. They didn't win. They weren't fortunate to win last night, but Lafferty got a bounce on his goal. Uh, Besser doesn't probably always score that one out of midair, but he did last night. And so he's up to eight. And we've talked about this already, that if he's going to get to 30, if he's going to eclipse his previous high, now he needs... 22 goals over the final 72 games and for him now it's I think more about just staying healthy and keep doing what you're doing because at the outset of the season guys I wasn't even sure as a right shot if he was going to feature on this first unit power play I didn't know what the Canucks were thinking I'm not sure they did with the talk of how many cooks in the kitchen running the power play and somebody had to replace Bo Horvat and Besser obviously is among their best offensive weapons but I, the right handed shot, I wasn't sure if that was going to work in his favor. If it did, was he going to be a net front guy? But the movement and the motion that we have seen through 10 games on that power play, and it's just, it's kind of like, you know, you put it in football terms, like they're asking the other team's defenses to cover a whole bunch of guys. And if they want to cover Elias Petterson, then it's probably going to leave Brock Bester open. If they want to cover Quinn Hughes, that's going to leave Peterson or JT Mill- like. The movement in the motion has been spectacular. And to have a guy like Besser freed up where he was on that spot of the ice and the puck arrive in his wheelhouse, like that was exactly the way that they had drawn that up.
1: It looks like old school basketball offense, doesn't it? Like Bob Knight coaching Ocean, Co- yeah, motion. Yeah, you like splashing. Yeah. Like it kind
3: of <laughs> looks like that.
0: Um, what have you made of uh, the Friedman Cole pair? And, and and really, Mark Friedman at large here uh, since he's come into the Canucks lineup.
3: Well, he's already given them more games this season than Jack Rathbone was going to. Like, I, I think we can declare... Sometimes, we all, you know, quite often, we say, oh, you, you can't declare a trade a win early on. Uh, Mark Friedman's not the perfect hockey player, but he seems to be pretty damn close to perfect for the role that they're asking of him, which is, you know, just keep it pretty simple. Uh, you know, it doesn't get scrambly in his end. Uh, he and Ian Cole seem to have formed a, a pretty good bond, and I think Cole... Uh, 10 games in plus the preseason and training camp. My observation there is that uh, he's just a pro through and through. And I think is probably a pretty easy guy to play with. And, you know, Friedman took a couple for the team last night. Uh, takes the stick in the face to draw the double minor uh, on Nico Sturm. And then uh, that was tough to see late in the game. You know, blow a game like that. The last thing anybody needs to do is eat a puck the way he did in the third period. But, you know, talk about a guy paying the price and doing what he wants. And so, uh, he's been a nice addition. Uh, I, I just think there's a sort of simplicity to his game, and for far too many years here, uh, you know lower in the lineup in the depth chart defensively. It's been a carnival generally in their own zone and 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 he doesn't seem to spend a lot of time in his own end. and it's relatively quiet. like I don't I don't feel that the Canucks have been under siege when he is out there. And so you know right now it looks like a, a pretty nice ad. Uh, at a relatively low price point. And again, with all due respect to Jack Rathbone, but let's think about it, Rathbone a lefty, what would have happened or had to have happened for Jack Rathbone to see National Hockey League action this year for the Vancouver Canucks? Christian Wolanin is in the system, Grion Breezeball, whenever he gets healthy, uh, he would have been between Jack Rathbone and the NHL. I don't think it was going to happen for Rathbone here. And so if you can flip a player like that and get somebody that you can plug in and address a need over on the right side, that's turned into a, a nice... Kind of a, a you know a small deal, but it's turned into a bigger deal by the day for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Let me ask you our poll question then uh, through ten games, best story on the Vancouver Canucks. Brock Besser, Phil D Giuseppe, the Hughes Ronick there, all the goals. feel free to go off the board, Jeff.
3: Yeah, it's tough to pick one. I mean, the Besser story is a good one, certainly just the volume of goals to have eight goals, ten games in and to score them the way that he has. So I like that one, but I, I think I could sit here and make pretty strong cases for Quinn Hughes just by himself taking his game to another level and Elias Pedersen, who again, playing through something. And I love the fact that, you know, they parked him for the most part, 14 minutes last night still gets three assists. So he's racking up points. Uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, some of the trades that this organization has made around the fringes like Casey DeSmith has been a really nice story. He's not the best story, but for him to step in and play the way he has and deliver victories, I think Sam Lafferty, every game that I watch him right now, another nice addition for the Vancouver Canucks. And for him to have three goals through 10 games, he wasn't brought in to produce a ton of offense. But uh, if you can get contributions lower in the lineup, but his speed and his size and penalty killing tenacity. So uh, there's a lot to go around right now. The vibe in this city, the reaction to this team, uh, you know, there's just an awful lot that's going good for the Vancouver Canucks. So, I'm not trying to dodge the question. I think this is a poll question that probably could have had. Ten different options, but uh of the ones you've got there, I, I think I would vote for Besser.
0: I'm
1: not complaining about the way they're playing. It's great. I can complain about the timing of this when it comes to some of the contracts. And Elias Pettersson uh, just continues to heap money onto the back of the Brink truck. Even a guy like Philip Ronick, guys. Yeah. You know, he, he is he's one of the underrated stories of this of this uh season. I think everybody feels like they're he's playing well, but he's a point per game player too. Like, I mean it, it is It's crazy, and that's only going to add to his price. So it's a shame that you can't freeze these prices on the players for at least one more year. Well, you can sign him now. Uh, You can. I still don't know. The the horse might be out of the barn at this point, but the the prices are going up on some of these players right now, Jeff.
3: Well, Look, if Philip Ronek didn't have a single point and had delivered what he had in the first 10 games, I still think you would declare him an absolute uh, terrific addition to this hockey club. But playing with Quinn Hughes, and this team scoring the way that it's scoring, I mean, it stands to reason that everybody's going to get points. So in some ways, it's yeah. hard to truly evaluate. I mean, they do have to find their level here. The power play is not going to run at 35% all season, but it's where it is right now through 10 games. Uh, and for Philip Ronick, you know, his smartest move, just get the puck to Queen Hughes, and you're going to rack up points. You will. Like, I mean, it's science. Put the puck on Hughes' stick, and he's either going to score because he's scoring, or he's going to set somebody else up, and you'll pick up apples along the way. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I look, I, I kind of thought with the type of player he is, the price point to get him, he had to be a 40-point kind of guy for the Vancouver Canucks this season. And, again, the pace is going to slow down here. Uh, but if he's going to be a 40-point guy, now he just needs 30 over the final 72 games. I mean, imminently doable, especially if he continues to play with Quinn Hughes. So uh, I've liked an awful lot about Phil game. We'll see. I mean, it, it kind of feels like, you know, just – ride it as long as you can. Again, I don't know if that pairing is going to stay together all season. I think there'll be some nights where they figure they have to split them up to counter what other teams have. And you got a good Dallas team coming in, you got the Oilers and I know there's scuffles, but we know the top end there on Monday. So there's going to be some challenges ahead for this hockey club, but in the here and now, uh, I don't know why you would go away from that pairing that's playing so well, but I do think individually Philip Pironik has uh, turned out to be a terrific addition. And so yeah, the meter is running. There's no question. And I guess now the only question is, where will it top out and what will it cost to uh, to resign him?
0: They had some game time decisions uh, yesterday. Do you anticipate any changes against Dallas?
3: Hard to imagine if all of those players were available to uh, Rick Tockett that you would go away from a lineup that produced 10 goals and, and played the way it did. Uh, that said, they beat Nashville and he made the change and made Dakota Joshua a healthy scratch, which is interesting because he, Looked like he was going to be a healthy scratch based on practice at Monday. And I think that was the warning that, you know, I'll put you in on Tuesday night, but you better respond. And I don't really think Joshua did. And so I wasn't shocked that he came out. Uh, the question is, does he get back in? And keep in mind, too, that right now it kind of feels like it's Jax Stanika, it's Dakota Joshua. It kind of looks like Nils Hoaglander has solidified his spot in the lineup on a nightly basis in the short term. But Teddy Bluger is going to get back in here. And so when he does, it's not just going to be one of those guys, two are coming out. And I just wonder, Dakota Joshua, uh, the coach got on him in the preseason, 10 games in when things are going well. He's been on him again here. Uh, you know, where is this one headed, I guess? And and they've got so much good going on around them right here, right now. But, you know, I, I just... You know, is Dakota Joshua becoming an odd man out? I know it was just one healthy scratch, but I do think when Bluger gets back in there, because Teddy Bluger kills penalties, like if Dakota Joshua is not scoring and he's not being physical and his only contribution <laughs> is as a penalty killer, well, your replacement's waiting in the wings and he's coming into this lineup sooner rather than later. So... I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see where this goes with Dakota Joshua. The ability to
1: throttle down some of that ice time late was really handy too, probably for those
0: guys that are.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, from early on, you were able to load manage guys throughout the game. I got two more, Jeff. Um, Should they had should they have challenged the San Jose goal on goaltender interference for the sake of Thatcher Demko shutout?
3: In the moment, I kind of screamed, "Challenge it!" For that very reason, that you owe it to a guy who has been lights out good for you getting the optics as well that, I mean, it just kind of felt like it would be piling on when I watched the replay. I'm not sure that they would have won the challenge. And I know talk, it said after the game that that was, he was thinking that he wasn't convinced that they were going to win the challenge. And I think it
1: was 50, 50. Yeah. I think well,
3: Goaltender interference always feels like, yeah, like right. you, you just never know. So throw yeah. the dart at the dartboard. Um, But look, I, like, again, I get, I was a little surprised that they had their first unit power play out there at six, nothing, but they did. Uh, and we know that Conor McDavid didn't like that on opening night. And I mean, the Canucks can't worry too much about the opponents if the Sharks don't like it, play better. Uh, it's as simple as that. But I guess I, I felt it would have been a little bit of piling on if they had gone for the goaltender challenge. That said, California boy, his family, his family got lots of TV time. Uh, you know, like I can get it. You, he had the shutout against the Blues. He only had one shutout last year. He was minutes away from a second shutout already this season in the first month of the season so uh, you know i there's reasons for both sides but i, I think i understand where talking was coming from mm-hmm. that they see the sharks a bunch more uh the sharks are down it would have to me it would have felt a little bit like kicking them when they were down
0: lastly jeff uh obviously we had our big announcement yesterday that harrison price Rinkwide, and go sports joining forces with the nation network and playmaker capital and uh Yeah, some of that affects you. For those who missed it, let them know uh, what you'll be up to uh, with Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation.
3: Yeah, I think it was a great day for all of us. And Nation Network has uh, an incredible track record of uh, supporting local sports on the ground in uh, a number of uh, key markets in this country. And now uh, we're under that umbrella as well. And so looking forward to the partnership and the resources uh, that they'll put in play. And so hopefully uh, that will help us build out the brand of Rink wide Vancouver will continue to do post game pods after each and every game, and you guys will be a part of that. and We'll have some other special guests as well as we go through the season. So, uh, we're off and running, and so are the Vancouver Canucks, and it's been fun. They've given us lots of material to work with almost every night out so far through the first 10. And yeah, as part of the partnership as well, bringing all of my written work under the umbrella too. So, had been doing some contributions at the Hockey News to start the season, but. Uh, there's just some synergies at play here. I was already writing a column at uh, Canucks Army, and now uh, all of my written work. So uh, we're still kind of nailing out the or you know figuring out the details of how much and when and all that kind of stuff. A Sunday column certainly, and then uh, written contributions throughout the week. So uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to have uh, all of my work under uh, the same umbrella, and uh, just looking mm. forward to uh, you know we've already got something good going, and I think uh, this will help us uh, take it all. Uh, to new heights.
0: Well, we'll be listening Saturday for rink after the Canucks and stars. Thanks for this, Jeff.
3: All right, guys. Thank you.
0: Happy hour brought to you by yellow dog brewing, neighborhood brewing, workshop spirits, and yellow dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry otter lager. It's a crisp, clean and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all. Angry otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow dog neighborhood for workshop spirit. It's Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtag the best Twitter dot com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. You have a great rate on your mortgage, but still need equity out of your house. Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate. You access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now's the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. At Duke
1: Bruman, LOL. At Bertuzzi's reaction compared to everyone else in the lease. While well, they have a back and forth with Marchand out there. Uh, Timothy Liljegren goes careening into the end boards. With Brad Marchand, he's carted off in a lot of pain. Significant injury, apparently. The Leafs are chirping Marchand, who remains on the ice en masse, except for Tata Bertuzzi, who literally has a three-foot gap between him and the rest of his teammates on the Leaf bench. And he's just sitting there laughing. He's laughing
0: on the bench. The former Bruin. It's funny because I had a, a Leaf hashtag as well about Tyler Bertuzzi and how one of the plum free agents of the 23 class was demoted to the fourth line last night. Yep. The head coach says he has to simplify his game. Three points in 10. Max told me four points in 10. So their free agent additions have not exactly um, carried, carried the day for the Leafs. And look, as we know, if there's one thing that Vancouver Canucks fans love... Almost as much as 10-1 wins, it's uh, Leaf misery. now, And there is misery in Leafland. Yeah, we should mention Brad Marchand
1: did not show up for
0: Bruins practice today, so I don't know what that means. Well, and I also saw there was debate about the play and whether it was dirty. I saw Biz Nasty said it was not a dirty play, that it's a board battle that you can't suspend for that. Saw others as well say maybe it's a penalty, but it's not a... A suspension. I thought he hooked his foot. It, 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 the 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 stick is
1: the thing. I kept on looking at the bodies and going, "There's nothing wrong there." Like people were saying, were saying it was a pure can opener. Can opener. You kind of use your knee. He didn't do that. And in fact, the leaf engaged with with him. Um, yeah. but the stick. You're right. There's a
0: pitchforking motion with his stick right at the end. And I think that's, that's the bad part of it. Hey, one more on Quinn Hughes here at Big Head Hockey. Defenseman leaders, goals, Quinn Hughes, four assists. Quinn Hughes, 11 points. Quinn Hughes, 15 plus minus. Quinn Hughes, plus 12. Even strength goals, Hughes, three. Even strength points, Hughes, nine. He is just sweeping the categories right now amongst defensemen. The problem here is that other defensemen will get to play San Jose, too.
1: At Craig J. Button, the 2024 NHL Awards. Hart, Hughes, Norris, Hughes, Calder, Hughes, Jack,
0: <laughs> Quinn, and Luke. Let me ask you this. Could David Quinn's Boston University teams beat David Quinn's San Jose Sharks team? Um, I had pointed out that it's a team that is at the cap. Or, you know, they're, they're at 80 million. Like, it's not a floor team. Like, we oh. think... I almost feel like around the NHL there is pity for the San Jose Sharks. You know, I almost feel like when they do something well, you see on social media, like, hey, hey, well done, Sharks. Good for you. Good for you, buddy.
1: At Hockey underscore Robinson, Cam Robinson with a first-period helper, Hunter Verstevich has extended his point streak to 13 games and 26 points. He continues to lead the OHL in points as an 18-year-old defenseman. At two points a game. Two points a game. I don't think this is a case of of Queen Hughes. I think Hunter Perstevich is a little bit more of a traditional offensive defenseman. But still nice nice arrow to have in the quiver.
0: Like, it's, it's pretty nice. Oh, sure. uh, as you know, Blake, uh, we're both actually spending more time on the UBC campus this autumn. Yes. I've got family living there. You've got some field hockey duties there. I'm forever... And you know, I've known for a long time, and of course, we have sat there and watched as the UBC athletics facilities have gotten bigger and better. Mm-hmm. It is just a sensational campus and a sensational outlay of athletic facilities there. And so we shouldn't be surprised at all the great sports happenings that are going on there. Uh, you may have seen yesterday they announced Indochino as a title sponsor for the men's and women's basketball championships which are going on the final eight at ubc in march using both doug mitchell and war memorial gymnasium football finished first in the canada west at six and two for the first time since 99 they got home field throughout the playoffs including manitoba this weekend the women's soccer team is off to nationals and rugby player savannah botter is named the u-sport Player of the year, so congrats to everybody over at UBC Athletics and the Thunderbirds. Continue to do, uh, continue to be a, na- a national leader across the country. Like my parents are new to the campus and they're walking around going, "Like this is a Canadian university campus with all these facilities." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it is. It stands apart." From the rest of the country, yeah, they've, they've got space
1: that a lot of other campuses don't, and now they're using well, they, it. And they have
0: investment, yeah, as well. Yeah, so good on them. And that's hashtags for today. <laughs> Joined now by NHL insider, the host of the Frankly Speaking podcast, and of course from Daily Faceoff, we're. Pleased to welcome Frank Cervelli as a teammate mm-hmm. officially. Yeah, this Friday.
2: How you doing, fella? Good. I'm uh, maybe the worst kept secret, uh, mm-hmm. but super yes. excited to officially uh, have you guys uh, in the same tent and uh, on the same uh, bench. And as I play my third line role here, just looking to uh, just looking to get pucks deep.
1: You're 1C. You're 1C, man. That's, uh, that's I, I, I
2: mean, I, I'm at least 60 pounds from 1C. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's being generous, okay?
0: Yeah. Well, the good news here is uh, third liners are fattening up on their stats with the yeah. Vancouver Canucks yeah. after exactly. an extraordinary exactly. 10-game start, eight goals to start the year, 10 goals last night in San Jose. There was a 5 nothing shutout mixed in there, and somebody had them as a playoff team before all of this started, Frank. What did you know that others didn't?
2: I would pat myself on the back but as mentioned it's not long enough to do so. So um honestly I it's just a belief in the players, the group that they have. Um I thought things would be different. I didn't I'm not going to sit here and after, you know, 10 games or whatever trumpet that uh, I'm all knowing or whatever it might be and there's still going to be spots that this team hits. I'm sure this season where there's going to be lows. But I was real confident with the changes that they made on D that they would be in a better spot and i think you're also seeing this team begin to take more of an identity that their coach has which i think is really important we've talked about that but rolling out power play one again you know somewhat late in a lopsided game i love to see it like i said before this is the nhl we're playing for keeps here it's not midget triple a it's not little sisters of the poor you know this is this is big boy hockey and if you're not going to put a team on the ice that's going to compete and is going to roll over then you're going to have to look in the rearview mirror to try and catch the canucks license plate
1: it's still the second period for god's sakes you know tim has left in the third by all means layoff
0: but um it's the second what are you supposed to
2: do
1: Uh,
0: i'm totally with frank when you get to the professional level uh, at that point there is no more of that you know at the amateur levels when you're talking about kids and People who are not doing this as a profession, different story. But it's the NHL. You're paid to play. You're paid to play
1: 60 Not, not only that, some... but
2: if you don't like it, do something about it.
1: Yeah, there you go. You, you have agency in it. Um, it Talkit has uh, managed to like, – I was a little bit scared that this team wasn't going to be as fun as they were last year because Talkit was going to have more structure. Now, that probably would have led to more wins, but it was a lot of fun watching the goals go in over the last year uh, of Canucks hockey. How has he you know managed to do that, do you think? Uh maintain the structure. These aren't the Doug Wade Islanders here. They're they're defending pretty well. The shots on goal, particularly in the last handful of games, have, have been very, very responsible for the Vancouver Canucks while not, not sacrificing anything uh to scoring goals.
2: I think the easiest way to explain it is that you put in something in place that's along the lines of this. I do not care what you do with the puck once you get it. But you better play sound in order to try and get it back Mm -hmm. and, and not give up too much. There's like, you know, little nuances and things that he's asking for that are sort of uh, non negotiables. And then after that, it's like, uh, go, go be as creative as you want to be. And I think that's the real Mark of a good coach is to be able to squeeze as much out of, you know, your team creativity wise as you can. And guess what? With that, there's going to come some crappy moments I bet where guys make mistakes and it ends up in the back of their net and you have things that fall apart. This is a game of mistakes, but if you can make fewer of them than the other team, uh, that's where I really think, you know, we, we, were, I was reading a lot about Bob Knight's legacy this week as he passed away in the U S here. And, and that was one of his big things is the team that wins is more often the team that makes less mistakes. And, that is something that we've seen from the Canucks this year that's been a huge positive change.
0: See if Rick Talkett throws a chair this year at any point. He's Well,
2: uh, I would sign up for that. Yeah, I would, so pay, I would I I pay, I. pay to watch that. So would I.
0: Well, we've, we, we've seen... Uh, who was it who tried to pick up the bench and throw it? Oh, I don't remember that. Clayford um, in Asia? Oh, no, 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 no. Fiery uh, Bombast. Robbie Fatorik was it? Oh, maybe. Tried to pick up yeah. the bench and throw it. Uh, Frank, you mentioned... Um, you know, do something about it. And it turned out to be embarrassing. The San Jose Sharks now with no wins in their first 10 games, um, 1.10 goals, losers of eight straight. And I already see people are looking at that 93 Sharks team that won 11 games and lost 71 and wondering if that's possible. Uh, What are you hearing around the league about the San Jose Sharks? And are they a blight? On the NHL, and, like, and is Frank, the, we we is didn't, the league concerned about what is transpiring there because that's barely NHL hockey. We
1: mentioned too, we right. didn't yeah. love the language of nobody coming to check on the goaltender. Like four Canuck players are checking on Kakanen after the the collision, and
0: no Shark players around.
1: Like it, it just it just seems like they are they've disintegrated in every way.
2: Well, they've disintegrated on the ice and off of it. I mean, I I reported was it ten days, two weeks ago about. The situation with Kevin LeBanc, how they informed his agent that he was going on waivers and then had to call him back an hour later after it was reported and then said, hey, uh, we're actually not. I mean, it's been a stone cold mess mm-hmm. and i the players are all in on it. They understand and have seen with their own eyes a lot of other incidents I think that have taken place that have shown how dysfunctional it's been. And then the product has translated directly to the ice. The funny thing about all that is I'm told that Sharks players actually really like playing for David Quinn. They just haven't shown that uh to this point. Eric Carlson was one of those guys raving about him after last season. This is pitiful uh is the league concerned? I don't think so uh we've had some really bad teams before uh the Colorado Avalanche from six i think it was sixteen seventeen stand out forty eight points. Uh, No one was really sounding an alarm then, but that team at least got to 22 wins, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it in front of me, but 22 wins. This Sharks team feels like three seasons they might not accumulate (laughs) 22 wins. Um, Look, these things happen. At some point, someone there is going to snap to attention and, and begin to sift through what a disaster it's been. Because guess what? The on ice product is one thing things that happen behind closed doors in the front office is another the scariest part for me about the san jose sharks moving forward is their lack of a cohesive plan we have zero clue what they're up to what Mm -hmm. they're thinking clearly they're rebuilding but Hey, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Mark Edward Vlasic, how are they possibly going to retool when you can't get rid of these guys and they're not going anywhere until their contracts run out?
0: Well, and and I think that's it, uh, Frank, we were talking about. It's almost like there's already pity and sympathy for this team around the league uh, and amongst other fan bases because you're four straight years without qualifying for the playoffs, and the fifth may be the worst yet. Like, if you're going to do the teardown rebuild shirt, you're in for several seasons of pain and misery, but it looks like they might be in for even more pain and misery now, even coming off four straight years out of the Stanley cup playoffs.
2: They're not the coyotes where they're loaded with, you know, it feels like 48 draft picks or, you know, pick another team that's been able to restock their cupboard and replenish things. The Montreal Canadians have done a great job doing that. Like, there are ways to rebuild, I think, without totally tearing it down to the studs. I think the Rangers have have done a pretty good job doing that. There's other teams over the last few years that have accomplished it. But I, you tell me what the plan is, and I'll just be like, yeah, I get. I mean, I, I we haven't heard from them. It's not communicated. And where are they going? What are they doing?
0: Well, and you mentioned. Uh the coyotes and I, and I thought the coyotes would be absolutely dreadful last year and and they actually I thought punched pretty much above their I mean, weight class s- still doing that, but yeah. but they're not besieged with issues like the coyotes like with ownership and arena and market issues like San Jose was one of the great success stories of American expansion right you had this fantastic fan base you had a good arena I mean, it's an older building but it's a, you know it still works
2: a 25 year run of mostly the best consistent regular season product you could possibly imagine.
0: There's that too. Yeah. That's it. Well managed, well coached, good players.
1: The good news for the Sharks uh though is that there is a bigger bleep show in town and that is the Ottawa Senators right now. Um and it it, it does the commissioner care about what Ann Lauer said the other day? And and the fact that he was sort of saying that he didn't know any about it. And he felt duped is basically what he was saying.
2: Oh, I'm abundantly sure that there was a phone call placed after that press conference. <laughs> and it probably was not very friendly, but I would have paid to hear it. Um, yes. Look, it was refreshing. You asked a question at the press conference with Michael Ann Lauer and got an answer. And it was honest to a fault in the way that he even criticized his own franchise quote Mm -hmm. we were downright negligent i mean you don't get any more transparent than that he said this franchise was going to be transparent they've done that and been it uh apparently you know the nhl has not been quite as forthright and i understand it from his perspective like this sale process dragged out so long And I know there were people at the end of it that they were sitting there going, who are we even bidding against? Like I'm increasing my offer, but against who and for what? And so he probably walks away from that a little frustrated, feeling like, you know, milk, milk, squirt, squirt. We've got another hundred million dollars that we've kicked in here. That's a lot of money. And now everything's great for the first 30 days. And then. The head office hits you with a two by four twice in a span of a week. You've got the Pinto suspension, then this didn't know about the Pinto one, had an idea about the forfeiture of the pick and had no idea it would be this severe. The previous ownership group quote felt like it was immaterial. He goes, I don't know about you guys, but like losing first round picks is not a non-issue to me. So we've yeah. conservatively ballparked that a first round pick uh, is worth somewhere between two and a half and $4 million in real cash uh, Mm -hmm. to go along with the embarrassment that this team has felt over the last 10 days and the increased drama. I get exactly what he's feeling.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Frank, because of course, and Lauer was the quote unquote preferred bidder for that franchise uh, up against
2: from jump street. Like, (laughs) yeah,
0: against the Reynolds group. And, um, those of us in BC have heard that you know the Reynolds camp is not very pleased not, with the NHL. None too impressed. Yeah, with the I, I don't NHL. think Ryan Reynolds will be doing business with Gary Bettman anytime soon. Ever
2: again? Apparently,
0: it, it, is it possible that Ann Lauer calls Bettman and goes, "Okay, we've had these two incidents. My market is furious. I'm going to go out there today and serve up some red meat, and maybe just turn a blind eye, blind ear for the day, and all will be forgiven." No.
2: Okay. No, I mean I look, when you flat out say and not hint, but flat out say that they didn't let you know this so that they could juice the price for the seller, I mean that's I don't it's not dirty pool, it's honest, but it's like okay. the NHL, they don't like their business being exposed. And and let's be real clear, just look at the two statements issued with both of these incidents. Basically, one sentence followed by the league will have no further comments. Right. Yes. Both. Right. if they wanted to shed more light on it, they could. But transparency is not the name of their game. That's not how they do business. And he's sitting here going, well, why are we getting screwed? I didn't have anything to do with either one of these things. And we've seen in the past other penalties or punishments that were put in place that a new owner takes over. And, oh, by the way, it's washed away and forgiven.
0: Let me ask the other follow-up here. What took so bloody long on the Dadanoff thing? And does the league not, like, how does Central Registry not incorporate the no-trade lists, Frank? Like, how was that not a thing of Central Registry? And why did it take this long to mitigate and to deliver punishment. On the original trade,
2: down to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So part of me wonders, and, and not to put on my tinfoil hat, uh, I've got enough gray uh, already and on today. Um, part of me wonders if this took so long as a way to deflect away from criticism that probably should have come the league's way. Because guess what? Your central registry, by definition of the name of your damn department, you should have a database of every player's no trade clause on file, the fact that you willy nilly left it to your 32 clubs to go through it and and handle it on their own is not only a leap of faith but seems grossly negligent on the part of the department itself. Because you are the you're you're the clearinghouse. You're you're you know it's like hey, it's like sitting down at a table and you're selling me your house, and I ask you and say hey, do you have any problems with your plumbing? And you say no, and then four days later I get into the house and there's a massive leak that you've known about for six months and did jack nothing to fix it. Well, guess what? You're liable for that. And I appreciate how fired up the Golden Knights were and the Ducks. The Ducks are out of a second-round pick. The Golden Knights had egg on their face and their cap was screwed up as a result of all this. But it shouldn't be on the Sens even though they should have gotten it right and passed along the correct information, it should be on the league to say, hey, we have this and we're sending it to you. That's what leagues do. What? They mitigate. If not, what else are they there for? Exactly.
1: And now all of a sudden in our mind's eye, the central registry looks like that basement office, you know, with the files everywhere, just pouring out of filing cabinets like with. No organization whatsoever. That's, that's you know,
2: this is, this is a real thing. Do you know that when players get put on waivers or there's a transaction to send a player to the minors, do you know that teams still have to sign a physical piece of paper and scan it in and send it? Like we're, we haven't reached in 2023 an era with the NHL central registry yet where everything is done digitally and you can make roster transactions by clicking buttons. I yeah. swear to God, that's a real thing. So wow. Yahoo,
1: Yahoo I, fantasy I,
0: pools is ahead I of the NHL. Say, oh, yeah. I, I sense a sponsorship opportunity for DocuSign yeah. in the NHL. In the near
2: well, hey, I mean, let's just go back to the sharks and let's bring in SAP <laughs> and right. have them just <laughs> run this system. Like, I mean, come on. It's not like you're incapable of doing this what's your excuse we don't have the money we don't have the time or we're stuck in 1999 are, are you gonna ask for a fax next i mean
0: our old hockey guys prefer faxes i think that's what frank are,
2: are
1: governors elsewhere in the league like privately going what what are we involved in here this makes us look so rinky dink
2: but then the league will respond to that probably much like they did to michael and Lauer, and say why would you want to embarrass the league
1: Hate, well, you've already done May, that. Maybe Gary, you, so you should so just like, get out yeah. of your
2: own way and, and take a step yeah. forward and preemptively don't go back after the fact and say, we're going to start a database of no trade causes. Like, where were you when the CBA allowed these things to happen and say, we're going right. to be the place that's the arbiter of all NHL transactions? If not, what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, 100% right, Frank. Uh, Port Moody's Kent Johnson has been scratched in two of the first seven games for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's changed agents there. What's the play? What do you hear? I
2: think there's some frustration on his part with the way this season has obviously started and played out. Um, I don't know the exact reason why there's a change in, in agent. It seems to be the sort of flavor of the week in the sense that a bunch of guys have been doing it. Um I don't know why, but you look at that healthy scratch on opening night and I get it Pascal Vincent comes in and he wants to send a message. Oh, I'm sorry, like one of your top top prospects, a clearly talented player who put up north of 40 points last year. That's the guy you want to make an example out of and maybe the fact that there wasn't the response required or or pushback from from his own end. Um, maybe I don't know. I'm just guessing, or, or, uh, but that can't happen. Um, not for a, a budding star player like Ken Johnson.
0: You wonder why coaches want to sewer themselves with young players, cutting off nose to spite Exactly. Yeah. If
2: you want to, if you want a sacrificial lamb, I'm I'm so, like Ken Johnson isn't it? Like you, no, that's not else. the guy.
0: No. Uh, and especially with, you know, where ownership was at on your management group and that press release, which was quite. But memorable. again, back
1: to embarrassing franchises over the last couple wow. of months.
0: I mean, my yeah. goodness. Uh, and then lastly, Frank, Nick Backstrom. What's the story there? What's the procedure going forward for the Washington Capital centerman?
2: It sure feels like retirement to me and a lengthy stay on LTIR, although we've seen guys on there for much longer to end their career. Look, the writing was on the wall. Go back to April 15th and the Caps held their locker cleanout day and GM Brian McClellan, who has the second or third best points percentage of any general managers. This is 10th year. Um, the Caps have had a real sustained run of success and have a Stanley Cup to show for it. But he said point blank. Nick Backstrom has some decisions to make on his career, basically hinting at, yeah, he may have made it back and it may have been impressive how his recovery was to come back from a surgery that really kind of before him no one had successfully done. But it was clear to everyone listening that he wasn't meeting the bar required to be a a full-time NHL player, particularly from a speed perspective. Just to me, watching him eye test couldn't keep up you found him he found himself on the third line this year playing 11 12 minutes a night at times um and the lack of production that comes with it for a 9.2 million dollar cap hit that's where it seems like it's trending once you take time off you're probably not going to make it back if we're being real but more than that what really hurts for the caps is that this call wasn't made in may or june as opposed to now waiting until november when more or less not only is the 9.2 million that you're devoting to Backstrom kind of already spent on your cap. Yeah. You get LTIR relief, but look at the way the caps have started. Who like, does it make any sense for that team to throw good money after bad and, and trade picks away and futures to try and improve this team right in the here. And now just to use the cap space. It doesn't to me, I'm sure that's part of what Brian McClellan is wrestling with, but had they been able to spend that 9.2 million in June and July Maybe they would have been able to chart a different course, but now at least for the time being kind of feels like there's, it's, it's an interesting yeah. call. It's, it's be, an yeah.
1: interesting call though on LTIR too, guys, because he's quote unquote healthy, but it's clearly wow. a result of the, of the surgery, well, right? He's, so- he's apparently
2: not healthy though. Cause he's taking time off because of the injury we've had way sketchier ltir moves than this excuse me marion hosa and my equipment injury that just happened to come at the exact moment in time that his deal dipped down to 1 million per year I mean, like if the league was that past the league smell test, if Nicholas Backstrom and a hip resurfacing surgery, any hard time, someone should be out there with, with a pitchfork.
0: Yeah. This isn't even top 10 NHL (laughs) imprecision list. So, (laughs) and here's the thing, third, kind of the modern day, Henrik Sedin third, right now amongst active players in assists. And he was right there with Malkin, only Sid has more.
2: So Frank I would Fett, say Hall of Famer, but not first ballot. How does that sound?
0: Yeah, he's 1,100 games, just over 1,000 points, a, and he's got a cup, so I do think mm-hmm. he's going to get there. Fabulous stuff, Frank. Thank you for this. Great to be teammates with you. We'll catch up next Friday.
2: Have a great weekend.
0: Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? we? have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go and to the people we go brought to you by finning canada finning canada is your local dealer for cat equipment built to handle work in western canada for heavy equipment for the job site this is the cat rental store chat with the knowledgeable staff and get what you need buy parts rent tools power solutions find all find it all at finning.com. we're going to start with replies to yesterday's poll question for 60 some replies to so a lot of people wanted in jt why are we having this conversation now about trading picks or prospects for immediate help? We're only eight, nine games into the season. Let's wait and see where this team is by American Thanksgiving or by January pistol. Petey says, is it strictly immediate help or is it short-term and long-term help? I E another chronic piece. And that's a very good distinction Mm -hmm, for me. If you're talking about a player with term who can help over the next few seasons, that is very different than a UFA to be rental. I can't imagine in the
1: they're arena. in the rental market. I really can't. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think they would be a Ronick like trade. Maybe not for a player quite as good as Ronick, but that idea of, uh, of of contract status.
0: We've got all different sort of signposts in the replies. We just heard from JT who said, let's talk about American Thanksgiving or January. Chester says, let's decide in February. How's that? Skriddler, at this stage, based on how they've run the team with little regard to picks or prospects, if they could add another heroic level defenseman, then yes, one more top three D man could really push this team to the next level. Goal would be round two plus, not just the playoffs. Josh says, I don't want them to trade this year's number one if we're in a wild card position. We've traded enough prospects away. Let the current team cook. If we're in the playoffs, add depth pieces with third rounders and below, but don't spend draft value until the team is a conference final or Stanley Cup final ready club shadow says with the sudden decline of edmonton calgary and seattle canucks could can find themselves in a window wait till january you we get more to choose
1: from too because more teams are going to decide mm-hmm. we are out of it so more players become available is the other uh
0: reason why you want to wait mark says absolutely window is this year and next too many big contracts coming after that and that's another good calculation and that was one of the things that we said when benning acquired tyler to foley if you were looking for a window to go for it with what was coming up cap-wise for the Canucks, and with the way the w- rest of the West and Pacific looked, that wasn't the worst gamble. Two years of OEL costing
1: you over $4 million are coming up here. Not next year, but the year after
0: and the year after that. And then Donnie brook I like this one. Canucks are going to need at least one new entry-level contract on the roster per year to compensate for the previous dimwits in the OEL fleecing, and that is also a good shout. Mm-hmm. You look at Stanley Cup winners they typically have some entry level contracts that punch above their weight class and thus provide value, allowing you to spend more on other parts of the team. And then, Kevin, no, for fuck's sakes, it's been nine games. This org is always so thirsty to cut corners. Don't be a donkey at the poker table going all in after being a jack, being dealt a jack ace off suit. Let the hand or this team play itself out a while, see what's happened. If they're in a position to draft twenty plus at the deadline, then I don't have a problem with trading a first rounder for a non rental.
1: Brian on YouTube, ten
0: of for Garland straight up. Brian, that is not happening. Yeah, I don't think Calgary is going to want to take on the financial commitment of Connor Garland. Smayowski, the playoffs look very possible, but they aren't winning the cup this year. It's definitely not time to start making those sorts of trades. Baby steps, please. Replies to Rob Williams in the interview we posted. On YouTube yesterday, Flukism says, keep the team as it is. Let's see where they are in another month. Empty seats and the lack of affordability, nothing else. Sorry if you can't figure that out. We were talking about attendance a little bit with Rob. And we sense excitement of that, there's no doubt. It is also very difficult economic times. I think, as I said yesterday, those who have Canucks tickets now have experienced that they're in demand but I'm not necessarily sure you've got tons of people taking the plunge who don't already have tickets just yet. Now, sensational win yesterday. We'll see what they do Saturday against Dallas. We'll see what they do Monday against Edmonton. You can feel the momentum building here.
1: We talked about some of the historic stars for uh, the team and its star players uh, with Patrick Johnson. Dustin says Miller in the Ring of Honor. It's not that hot of a take he's in his fifth season and over a point per game And if he stays like that for like half of his contract that's a nine-year Canucks career
0: if he remains remotely productive he's likely yeah. ring of honor that's what I said yesterday he's absolutely tracking towards that
1: There's yeah
0: no doubt Yeah, it's
1: hard to imagine he how he's not going to be what eighth in team scoring seventh
0: in team scoring by the end of his career something mm-hmm. to that effect Scott says Saturday will be the test to see where this team is, as uh, at Dallas is a heavyweight in the West, so let's see. Uh, Sure, we beat Edmonton, but games against Dallas and Vegas will be the real deal, Holyfield. Nice turn of phrase there. Inbox. Tell me I'm wrong. This is Baconator in PGA. Shout out Baconator. Watching the Sharks team play makes me really scared for the future with 34 teams. How many teams need to dress HL lineups before we stop this madness of diluting the product?
1: Yes, to some degree, Bacon Air, but this is also a a purposeful
0: tank. So I think there's that as well. Blake, it's a purposeful tank five years into a rebuild. Have they really, though, been rebuilding? Well... They missed the pl- – okay, three years into a rebuild.
1: Like, they get Eric Carlson. I think they think they're giving their, their Logan Couture one last stand and all that sort of At stuff. At the very
0: least, it's it's the full teardown three years into a rebuild.
1: Sean from New West, we often talk about quad-A players. Yeah. Are the Sharks a quad-A team?
0: I, I, I do wonder. <laughs> I do wonder. Will the Calder Cup trophy winner this year – Could they beat the Sharks?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I thought of that with the with the Abbey Canucks. I was like, with the habits free? I, I was like, no, that's those, those are still a lot of National Hockey League players. I think the Sharks beat the Abbey Canucks,
0: but the the very best the AHL has to offer, yeah, maybe. Uh, tell me I'm wrong, but I think the Ducks relocate before the Coyotes. That's Steve from Edmonton. It's possible
1: because I think the 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 Phoenix market is more valuable to them than that secondary LA team. It's possible,
0: mm-hmm. and then. Uh, Some of you were very, very kind about our announcement yesterday. Congratulations on what you announced. I have enjoyed listening to you guys since 1040. That's Andy in Cumberland. I saw Ambassador Paul all the way in New Zealand, who has been a regular Mm -hmm. listener for many years. Shouted out. And our uh, friend Todd Tweedy from Incomeeep. Also, there were too many to name. Thank you, everybody, for your support yesterday. Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. 402 9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great clips. It's going to be great. Poll question results from yesterday, and this one was a monster. Nearly 2,600 votes. Are you okay if the Canucks trade a top pick or prospect for immediate help? Yes or no? Blake, what won the poll? They said no correct what percentage 67 72 Mm. and we got to many of the uh, fine replies on that one and there were a lot of those as well yeah into the people we go errors and omissions from yesterday's program blake i don't have a single one
1: well we've had a pretty littered week so it's (laughs) It feels good
0: to sort of know that. Littered? <laughs> yes. Or litter. <laughs>
1: yeah, we, uh
0: week. So, yeah, I, I don't feel bad about that. Moving on to our best way, best bets. I'm going at that Caps game on Sunday. And look, we all know they need to beat LAFC to keep their playoff series alive. We saw seven goals in game one. And let's face it, I think offense is the calling card for both sides here. So I'm going to go over three and a half goals, and that goes off at plus 200 on your Betway bet of the day.
1: My Betway bet of the day is for total rushing yards in the Calgary and Lions playoff game. Well, one team runs the ball one dozen. And that's why, like, I can't help it. Like, Taekwondo M- M- Mizell, Smoke M- Mizell's over-under is higher than Kadeem carries. They probably feel the Lions are going to get up early and Calgary's going to have to abandon the run at 54 and a half yards, I have to bite on Kadeem carries over at 185.
0: That's the Betway bets of the day. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and rank wide. And connects Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors that we're telling you about. Keep it local.